Definitely. Well, welcome to the after party. The last after party before Halloween. I was going to say before Easter for some reason. I was like, that is not, that is not what's coming up here. Oh, man, I'm so excited. Oh, my volume's up. Oh, yeah, this was mine. There we go. Uh, okay, here we are. Here we are. <laughs> so I, sometimes you just need to follow your intuition. I hear you. And I have never had this, like, I want to be a witch for Halloween. <laughs> but this year was like, I am getting a witch hat. like An oh, elegant witch hat. <laughs> well, this is the thing. <laughs> I had it in my mind. I was like, either I'll make it out of construction paper. Ryan today said, I have lots of paper. You could make one. And I was like, okay, that could happen. But then I went to one of those Halloween stores. And I walked. Was it right, Spirit of Halloween? It was Halloween Alley. I oh, Halloween Alley! I don't know that I, one. I don't actually okay. know, but <laughs> I ran into this, and I was like, "Can you all see it? Mm. It's so fabulous!" <laughs> and that's what the tag said. It said "Elegant Witch." Elegant, and I was like, fabulous witch. I knew in my gut. I needed. I needed a witch hat this the, year. The thing is, with the, I think as I'm looking <laughs> yeah, at this shot, it looks like a it looks like a huge sombrero. When we look at the middle shot, then you can see the witch's point. But like this one, there. that one just looks like you got a huge sombrero on. But there you go. Now you can see the witch's hat. And then I came to work. And it has a, a ribbon. It oh, has so like elegant. A so I forgot to bring a costume. So then I went searching through our cabinets here at the office and I found uh, a cowboy hat from Stampede. I mean, a little I handkerchief really, here. I, I think one of the reasons I feel more into, I mean, I've been increasingly into Halloween as I age, oddly enough. I did like it as a kid. Mm -hmm. uh, but I am now live in a neighborhood where it's likely I will get trick-or-treaters. But I mean, this might be the year where they're you're let down on that. Out. They're coming out. I feel like they are. I don't know. We'll see. You don't think so? We haven't made our call yet as a family. Oh, man. I heard a great podcast and I think it was one of uh, Vox's Today Explained, uh -huh. where someone was like, this is the holiday for the pandemic. Like, you're outside. You can easily show social distance. It's true. It is. You can be yeah. really careful with handing out packaged candy. They don't have to come in your house. That's a good point. Actually, Michael just said that hat looks like uh, Carmen Sandiego and the witch from Oz. But Carmen Sandiego is exactly it right now. If it didn't have the peak. We could just like, it. if it's I could bring up the, the song right that? now. Yeah, there you go. Where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? I remember that show. Good times. Uh, so everyone, should we keep the hats on? Or should we? No, we can't. Them? I can't keep the hat on the whole time. It's like, oh, kind of great. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk really heartfelt. All right, fine. Let's do it. Things. We're let's, at let's see what the people say. Let's see what the people say. If we get comments that are like, take those hats off. <laughs> You're driving me crazy. <laughs> right, totally. Yeah. Like the shtick is over. Yeah, quit exactly. it, quit it. Um, uh, we also have uh, new uh, foams on our I microphones was today. I curious if our sound was good. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it'll be drastically different, but we were having a little microphone pops. Oh. Mainly because I get aggressive when I get excited and <laughs> start talking. So and I get kind of quiet. This will help a little bit. So there we go. Do it. Yes. All I hear is do it, yes. which I think could be either take the hats off or keep, keep the, the hats, hats on. Keep the hats Great, on. Right, there we you. go. <laughs> Excellent, oh, excellent. You know, one thing somebody said to me years and years ago of like just assessing my personality, mm -hmm. someone said, I think your friend Bobby doesn't always take herself so seriously. And I was like, oh, that's so great. Because that's such I a kind like comment. I actually do take myself too seriously. No. I take so myself way too like, seriously. So if somebody said that to me, I, I would like, thank you. I know. Thank you. I mean, so that's what I, I love about this hat. Um, All right. 
I don't know. I might just keep it on all week. I'm coming I'm, to work. Oh, I don't know about that. I'll, <laughs> I'll be wear... driving in my car. Squish it. Get in. Like, <laughs> uh, I'll wear it for today. I'll wear it for the uh, wear it for the week around the office. <laughs> Every time I come in, I'll like, hey, tip my hat at people. <laughs> mm? Hello, ma'am. <laughs> Sir. Every time somebody comes to the door. But for Halloween, your family typically dresses up in... <laughs> 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 what does we, what's the equivalent to a wish? It's like a spell. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Um, <laughs> you guys I mean, dress up together as the like last a couple of years. We have yeah. we did like a Star Wars theme. Yeah. Uh, my wife dressed up as right. Princess Leia. I dressed up as a stormtrooper. Right. My son dressed up as Poe. Yeah. Oh, um, right. I think that was. I think last year might have been the first one. Oh, okay. I think before that, before that, we were in the stage where Eaton was still into like Paw Patrol. Oh. That was the main thing. Oh man, he's grown up so. I know. Much since I know. His Paw Patrol so, days. so in the Paw Patrol days, we would just like walk along with him and that kind of thing but then we switched over to star wars so then we we're like okay let's let's do the family thing which it was fun. Really fun we live in a neighborhood with lots of young families so yeah. there's lots of people out on a normal year totally. i don't know about this year um so it's, it's kind of fun to be out on but halloween this is what's gonna happen i'm gonna be so excited and i'll have my hat on and i'll just be at the door and nobody will come Kid. and by the end of the night i'll One just child. be eating all these candies on myself <laughs> drooling chocolate it's all, it's all good michael says i said pre- i should preach with it and I might have to veto that one. I don't know. Actually, I don't think I have veto power, but I might have to put my vote in against it. Just try and tell me what to do. All right. Well, um, but today or this week was kind of a fun week for you because you got a new a new hobby arrived. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's a new hobby yet. I mean, okay, I'm, I'm thinking about okay, it. Okay, tell, so. tell the people. Yeah, I, I bought a heavy bag for my garage, right? like a punching bag. Right. And so it arrived, so I hung it up in my garage yeah. and uh, anchored it all into the ground. And Did you give a, it a hit? Yeah, I did a couple workouts and stuff. How'd it feel? It's fun. Like, it's a fun thing. I mean, I've... Where do you I've, feel it? Well, okay, so, I, I mean, I've hit a bag before, but... Okay. Um, my technique's not great, but I think part of the reason I know something is because it's my lower back that's really sore. Because, you know, when you're trying to punch properly, you're trying to punch with your core instead of swing oh, your arms. Yeah, yeah. And I actually feel it sort of in my core and my back and stuff. So I'm okay. like, okay, well, at least I'm punching properly, but okay, okay. it's well, kind of fun. Good. It's good that you feel it in your lower back. Well, I, you know, I guess so. <laughs> so. Strengthening. Yeah, and, and shoulders, because okay, I've okay. been working on keeping my hands up and yeah. doing a workout that way. So I mean, I've been thinking about, since you've been talking about... Mm-hmm. That's all you talk about. Just kidding. It's not. <laughs> Since you were talking about this heavy bag, I was thinking, well, should I try to get a new you should. for the Oh, winter? I thought you were going to say a heavy bag. Yes, oh, you no. should do that. Definitely. No. <laughs> no. But I am I am thinking about it. Like, should I should pick, I up, a pick hobby? up a hobby? And then I honestly, my brain just goes, nothing. Your partner just got a whole bunch of tools. That's He's got true. a new hobby. He has, yeah. It's an old hobby, but now it's like yeah, It's all new. new What's old is new, Bobby. <laughs> I was thinking of maybe like planning out my garden mm. for the spring. Okay. Is that too depressing in the winter just to be mm. thinking about a garden? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Getting ready. Yeah. Fine. So that's what I got. Actually, I sent. Okay. Uh, I have a good friend. I sent him a photo of my garage when I hung it up. And in there, I had like a shot. You could see all my tools. You could see this new heavy bag. You could see my motorcycle. And I'm like, this This is middle age. <laughs> I'm like, unnecessary tools, a fad hobby, and a right. motorcycle. That I am you, like, that you ride how many times? Yeah, I am a year. clearly a 42 year old man <laughs> living in Calgary right Nothing now. I'm with 42. No, it's fine. 42 is great. So there we go. Oh, cross country skiing. <laughs> oh, I was thinking about 
about yeah, that. Yeah, we were just talking about that as a family. Right. But cross-country skiing is a little expensive to get into. Because you have to buy your gear. Right, but Rachel and I already have snowshoes. So we're thinking about getting uh, kids snowshoes for our son and getting back into snowshoeing this winter. I like that. Because Rachel and I did a lot before we had kids or okay. got kids or bought kids, whatever we did. <laughs> uh, we were doing a lot more snowshoeing then, but we haven't since, okay. you know, our, our kids came along. Yeah. So... Yeah, we're thinking about getting some like seven-year-old like snowshoes it. for our, our I son. Like it. Yeah. How do you think Eden will take to it? He really likes outdoors. Okay, so that's he's, true. There's some, you did some snow videos. We did. He he can stay outside in the snow forever. I love that. We went. Yeah, we went sledding. Um, by the way, yeah, check it out on my Facebook page. He's hilarious. <laughs> Every time I put the camera on, he's like, hey, guys, this is Eden. Hit like, put his comment down below, subscribe when you're done. So he thinks good. he's a YouTuber like every time the camera turns on. Oh, gosh, um, I love it so much. But he can stay out there forever. Like, oh. he will just all day. And I'm like, okay, like after 20 minutes, I'm like, all right, let's yeah, go. It's like, I need to do five more runs. So so I think, he'll, so I think he'll be into snowshoeing. That's good. Yeah. You should do it. I think so. The witch agrees. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the Obviously, witch. My, hat is, my head is itchy. I don't know if I can keep this up. <laughs> I, I'm actually getting a little warm in this <laughs> kerchief here. Is that what you call it? A handkerchief? Kerchief. Kerchief? Yeah, like yeah. if you're a Western old man. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'm going to try knitting. Nice. Someday. Okay. Oh, someone's trying knitting. Yeah, Laura's going to try some knitting. Oh, oh I think nice. she was telling us that actually in the Zoom lounge. Also, Andy might have some tips for, for you, Laura. Oh, yes, yeah, so on the knitting side. I <laughs> yeah, thought you meant, yeah. I thought you were telling me on the heavy bag. I was like, Andy's into everything. He probably does have some tips for <laughs> Andy, me. Andy, do you have tips? <laughs> yeah, I bet he does. Uh, so good. Okay, All well, right. let's get into Sunday. Let's. Talking about Strange Exchange. Okay. Sermon number seven. The question was, you say it, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Who touched me? <laughs> it is a strange question, it was though. Weird. Yeah, like I kind of joked about it because, I mean, without any context, it's a very okay. strange question to say. Yeah. Our sermon title today is <laughs> Who so Touched Me? Weird. You know, so. Uh, yeah. yeah. So anyways, you could, you could say it. Uh, so do you want to recap any of that or should we just dive into some of the Well, the I mean, if, if people don't know the story, um, the, I mean, we talked a lot about the context, but the basic story is a woman comes up, sneaks up behind Jesus, mm -hmm. touches the hem of his garment and right. somehow is healed through that. Right. Uh, and then Jesus turns around. And he's like, who touched me? The woman says, I did. And he's like, all right. <laughs> and then he goes on with his plans. Like, it's a, it's a, to be fair, it's, right. it's quite an odd little story that's sort of sandwiched in a larger story that Mark is telling there about, about this man named Jairus. Right. So, so what was uh, sort of most intriguing to you about the story right at the start? Well, I mean, I think there was sort of two, um, two parts to the story that were interesting to me. One was the um, the background behind the idea of why she's trying to touch Jesus' clothes, mm -hmm. like why she's touching his, the hem of his garment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we can talk a little bit about that. And then the second was sort of reading it in a socio-rhetorical context. Mm -hmm. uh, every time you nod, this thing is just it's, flopping it's around. It's a big nod. Really, I'm like, oh, she's really into this. <laughs> she's really into this point I'm making. Because I can see... <laughs> I know, I just laugh and it's nodding. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but in the social rhetorical context of, of what Mark is trying to do by juxtaposing these right. two healing yes. stories together, which I thought was just really fascinating. And I've right. taught about this before in my career. Um, 
but maybe not as directly as I did this yeah, week. Yeah, because it so. seemed like the emphasis was really strong mm-hmm. in terms of Jairus and his social position right. and the woman and the way she's been exploited mm-hmm. in her social position. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah, it, I'm, of course, I see that in the text, but it seemed like those were really key mm-hmm. pieces. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that was the piece I was, you know, for this week, whatever, that's the piece I was really kind of fascinated by yeah. was Mark as a socio-rhetorical comment about, um, y- like, he, he's telling stories to make a commentary on social hierarchies and social standing and all that kind of stuff. So, right. so I kind of went hard after that. Right. So. Do you want to say anything more about that, like, hermeneutic lens? Hmm. Like a socio-rhetorical Right. That's a good question. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think one of the really interesting things about uh, understanding is actually saying, yeah, I'm changing my vote. <laughs> To the hats. Being yeah, on. the hats. Should we take them off here? It's a little much. I also, I'm actually getting pretty warm under this <laughs> kerchief here. It's true. That's all. That's better. And it's going to be hard to have a serious conversation here. Um, Ashley, such an influence. Yes, I know. Ashley decides. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. <laughs> I like it. Uh, but back to hermeneutics. Yes. <laughs> I think. I think one of the really interesting parts here is that question of. There's all these different lenses you can read any story through. Yes. You can look at it through economics. You can look through it through, you know, a source, a social commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, you can look at it through, uh, with Mark, one of the things you can look through is sort of the messianic secret lens. One of the things that happens in Mark a lot is, is Jesus will do things. And then when people are like, oh, you're the Messiah, he's like, whoa, 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 slow down, be quiet, mm-hmm. like, which is a major theme in Mark. And to understand there's sort of all of these different streams Mm -hmm. um, that are being woven through different gospels and then realizing that you can come back to the same story and look at through a slightly different lens gives you new ways to come at things and come at it. Um, A socio-rhetorical lens certainly is not the only one, Mm -hmm. um, but I, I tend to think it's one that's really strong, particularly in the book of Mark. Yeah. I think Mark is doing a lot with a very little... Um, he's very efficient. Like he's yes. telling the story very quickly. Yeah. But the stories tend to be um, set against each other and juxtaposed with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about the the Gerasene demoniac. Mm-hmm. Right? Jesus goes across the lake. That's in Mark, mm-hmm. where Mark's setting this idea of a man with an unclean spirit who lives on the Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee, who has an unclean spirit named Legion, which is another word for a Roman occupying force. And that Legion goes into pigs which are unclean, and then they leave the land that used to be controlled by the Jewish people. I mean, all of this is social commentary that he's weaving Mm -hmm. through these stories. So maybe it was partly that video that I made earlier in the series. Then coming back to chapter five, and the first thing you read is Jesus crosses the lake again. Mm -hmm. And so I already had this lens of what is Mark doing here? What's the Mm -hmm. commentary that Mark is making Mm -hmm. on? And then everything just, like it really seemed to stand out to me in a a significant way. So I I kind of just kind of leaned into that. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, That's good. Um, I also really enjoyed your language of a healing battery. Yes. <laughs> well, actually, I, should, I do take that back. You did use, like, your language around the sensations of 
licking a battery kind of grossed me out a little bit. <laughs> you ever licked a battery, like a nine like, volt battery? No, I mean I probably did it. I I more went to um, like an electric electric yes. fence. Yeah, oh yeah, okay. Because uh, I grew up on a farm where we had electric fences, hmm. and so we would dare each other right. to touch the fence with a blade of grass. Oh, uh, yeah. Anyways, that sort of sensation. But I hadn't really stopped uh, in this story to think, w- w- what does it mean that the power uh, went out of went, him. It goes out of that's, him. Yeah, like that's the phrase, you know. Yeah, and he like, knew that power had gone out of him. Yeah. And you're like, what is, what is that all yeah, about? Yeah, yeah. And so to just stop and like f- grab for a mm-hmm. metaphor that might be like what those words on the page yeah. say. Like I thought that was quite interesting. I think the phrase I used was like you could that. grab Jesus by his pinky fingers and <laughs> suck that sweet healing <laughs> voltage out of I him. I was like, whoa, that's <laughs> grossing me out. <laughs> Imagine that you could just like grab two poles of his pinky fingers and be like, ah, the power. But it was interesting because you then, um, you constructed a phrase that was like, Jesus sensed God's power move through him was more your choice. And I thought that was interesting because the verb, I don't remember what it was, but it does seem to be more like go, it leaves, it spreads abroad. And so we're like, I I preferred your (laughs) definition, but... Where do you get it? <laughs> yeah, well, I think, again, the, the, the question I asked is, are, what are, are we reading here this idea that Jesus involuntarily heals people? Okay. I mean, I don't think so. I don't, yeah. I don't think Jesus is a battery. I don't think right. you can, you know, I don't think if Jesus was around, you could go to him and get healing whether he wanted to heal well, you or not. Well, I think we not. would know other stories. Like this story, right. and that's the interesting thing about these stories. Is Every like, time people bumped up into him in a yeah. crowd, they'd be like, ah! <laughs> I feel so I much better. I didn't even know my eyes were good, and now yeah. they're amazing. <laughs> People taking off the glasses. <laughs> right. But the, it's so interesting and kind of wild that all of these healings and miracles and interactions, they all have their, like, uniqueness to them. Right. Like, there sort of, like, aren't a bunch of repeated. There's no formula to, yeah. like, first he okay. does this incantation. Yeah. Then he prays in this way with his hands mm. to the heavens. And then he, you know, no. they're all so There's unique. actually, I mean, there's actually commentaries that mm-hmm. um, have, use that as the exact logic for it. Like mm-hmm. when Jesus spits in the ground and makes right. mud and rubs That's it on people's eyes, too. you know, some of the commentaries will say, like what we have here is this distinct decision made by the gospel writers mm-hmm. to not turn healing into a formulaic experience. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think partly because they don't want to, they don't want to give the impression that if you say the right words or you do the right things, mm-hmm. that's where healing comes yeah, from. Yeah. Whatever healing is, it's, it's idiosyncratic. And I think that might be part of what is going on with the author here, yeah. just choosing language that you know, tries not to create a formula. Yeah. I think you know, when I went back and I read in the Greek, and again, I'd have to look it up as well yeah. for the specific verbs, but um, I, I, I agree in a literal translation, I think the NIV is right, power go out from him. Yeah. Um, I think the intent of it, though, is something more like um, – it's not his power that's being drained away. It's somehow that Jesus has a sense of God moving through him or God mm-hmm. God healing through him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you, you get that in the Gospels a lot where Jesus says, look, I can't do anything, my Father. I don't have any power to heal. I can't do these things. It's God working through me. Mm-hmm. And that whole yeah, idea I of power going that. out from him is more like... To me, I read more as like conduit language yeah. more than battery language, where it's all stored up. Right. And if you touch him in the right way, you, you get oh, a zap yeah, of it. Oh, yeah, that's helpful, yeah. And it's, it's moving through. But right. again, I, I do think 
part of what is difficult about the language is I think the writers are trying to move us away from a formulaic understanding of healing. I don't think they want us right. to come away with that. It's just kind of wild to me that there was that kind of insight, you know, yeah. rather than like, let's make this story really sing. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, oh, actually, there's a downside to yeah, it just seems like quite an interesting intention yeah. or a, like foresight. Yeah. Yeah. So do you want to talk about the the healing in his wings, all that you jazz wanna, stuff? Sure. Yeah. We're on the, we're on <laughs> yeah, the battery you, piece. You referenced Malachi and Numbers. And, and Matthew yeah, and Deuteronomy. Matthew, yeah. There was a lot. And, and I read through it again today and I was like, oh, all right. <laughs> I don't know the details. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, um, it is a tricky section. Yeah. Because you're dealing with Hebrew idiom. Yes. Or Hebraism. Right. That's what right, we right. usually call them, but they're idioms. Um, and you get a few of these in the Gospels. Mm -hmm. There's, it's in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, um, talks about a good eye and an evil eye. Mm -hmm. You know, if your eye, your eye is the lamp of your body. If you have a good eye, so much better. If you have a bad eye, bad eye. Part of it is you have to understand that in Hebrew, these are idioms for being generous and stingy. Right. It has nothing to do with your eyes. Right. The it's, language had a restricted vocabulary yeah. and it was very um, like tactile. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's ayin tov and ayin ra'ah and, and you find them in the Proverbs and it's stingy and generous. So what he's saying is um, your generosity is the light, is, is the window into who you are. It's the thing that will guide you. It's the lamp that's going to move you through the world. And if you're stingy, you're just going to get worse. If you're generous, you're going to be more generous and it's going to move you towards Christ. So there's like these little Hebraisms yeah. that sort of are buried in the text sometimes. Yeah, like quite buried sometimes. And this one is yeah. definitely one of those. Yeah. Because it works like this. You've got this Because what's on the page? The page says in the, te in the mm -hmm. text we were in. Yeah. It says. That she reaches out and yeah. touches the hem of his garment. Hem of his so, garment. Okay. Um, it doesn't say fringe. It says, what is the phrase? So it's in Greek. Um, I'd have to look if it even says edge. Oh. Or just says his clothes. Okay. So I'm not sure. If, right. It might just say his clothes. But the reference comes from two things. First is the passage in Malachi, which was understood as a prophecy about the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And it says, when the Messiah comes, he will rise with healing in his wings. Mm -hmm. um, and wings is this word kanaf, which means an edge or a fringe. Okay. And then in the Torah, there's this command for observant Jews mm -hmm. to put fringes on the corners of their garments. Right as a mnemonic device. So when they look down and they see the fringe, they'll remember their commitment to God. Mm -hmm. Jesus references that in Matthew 23 because he says, look, all these religious leaders, they're so excited about having these huge fringes on their garments right. because that shows off how righteous they are. Right. So you've got people wearing fringes because it shows how they're righteous they are. You've got a passage that says, the, when the Messiah comes, he will rise with healing in his wings, which is similar idea to an edge or a fringe or a tassel on the edge of it. And so a rumor or, or a myth kind of develops that when the Messiah comes, there'll be healing in the tassels on his garments. Like if you, the Messiah will be so great, he'll be so righteous that if you were just to reach out and touch the tassels on his garment, you would be healed. Mm. So most commentators think that's what this woman is mm -hmm. counting on. Right. And again, whether she actually believes that right. or not, like, who knows? She like she's desperate. Know that, or the writers are saying, we're showing you I think, through this story. I think if you are, I think if you understand the story that way, mm -hmm. you would have to assume that she has heard that 
myth. Okay. Does she believe it? Like she really thinks that's how it's going to work. Or she's just desperate. Or she's desperate. I think yeah. that's probably more right. likely. She's heard this rumor yeah. that when Messiah comes, all you got to do is touch his tassels. Here's Jesus. People are excited about him. Do I really think you just have to touch his tassels? I don't know. Do I really think Jesus is the Messiah? I don't know. Right. But what else do I have to lose? Right. So she goes for it. So that's the kind of background to the story here. Now, the question then becomes, she touches the garment, she is healed. So what's going on there? Mm -hmm. Does the Messiah really come with healing in his tassels? Or is Mark framing this as her, the spark of faith that she has, even to put herself out on a limb to try this last gasp effort? God, Jesus doesn't even see it. God honors that, sees that moment, and then as it uses Jesus as a conduit to, to bring this healing to her. And I think that's part of what the writer is saying. Right. Is, no, there's not actually healing in Jesus' tassels. Yeah. But God recognizes that faith, even misplaced faith, which uh-huh. is actually something I wanted to talk about in the sermon and right. I didn't get to, huh. which I think is a really interesting idea, that even sometimes when our faith is misplaced, when it's sincere, when it's honest, when it's mm-hmm. desperate, you know, when all we have left is God, somehow God still honors that in us, which mm-hmm. I think is also like a really yeah. kind of beautiful idea. Yeah, like there's something in my own imagination that's that wants to take an in t- like something some sort of interpretation around her intuition mm-hmm. and her like maybe my own literary um joy uh, is to see this woman so desperate mm-hmm. and so low that in in, in a desperate sort of shamed place mm-hmm. who like in, in, I don't know if I fully agree with this yet, but who cares if she knows about the story or doesn't know about mm-hmm. the story like there's a bigger story mm-hmm. happening um, yeah I don't know what else I want to say about that but yeah I mean um, I, I have taught about the story before and taken that angle mm-hmm. um, that she's heard this myth. Yeah. It's not real. Yeah. You can't just touch Jesus' tassels and get mm-hmm. healed. But she has nothing left. She yeah. puts her faith in that. Oh, she okay. trusts that. And God yeah. says, it's good enough. Yeah. And I actually take a lot of comfort in that because I know a lot of my, a lot of your ideas about God are wrong. Yeah, totally. But we put our trust in them. Hilariously in them. wrong. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, and yet God right. still honors that. Right. Because because we put our trust there. Yeah. And our trust isn't, and this is the key, her trust isn't in the tassels. Right, right, right. My trust isn't in my doctrine or my theology. Right. Her trust is in God. My trust is in God. Mm-hmm. And the, the sort of surface level of how I articulate it mm-hmm. is, I know it's wrong in some mm-hmm. ways. And yet God honors that, yeah. God heals me, God welcomes me, God all, all those things, expressions in the midst of that. So I, 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 I almost like. want to say like, no, it's not the tassels and yes, it is. Like, exactly. No, yeah, it's like not that. your doctrine, but yes, it, it, it can yes. save you too. Yes. Like as you're forming it and struggling mm-hmm. with it and wrestling with it and claiming it, mm-hmm. um, it shouldn't, it's not enough, mm-hmm. but it very well could lead to your healing yeah, and this well. And this sort of desperate hope. Like, yeah, yeah. Like... I don't even know if this is it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna right. I'm gonna throw myself on this, right. and I'm gonna give it a shot, and I'm right. gonna see what's out so there. So in that moment, it is the tassels yes. are yes. Yeah. 
I they really kind of like that. Maybe yeah, that would yes, have been a better sermon. Who knows? But. <laughs> should chat with me. <laughs> <laughs> we should do. We should no, do this first and yeah, then the sermon after. Totally. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's good. Oh, we got like Bible references thrown around in the exactly. chat. Exactly. Nice. Is great. Uh, heart emojis. I'm seeing a lot of dab in the chat. I think that's what the cool kids. Call <laughs> that's what my it. son does all the time. He's always like, always dabbing. Is that what it's called? It's <laughs> uh, good. That's great. Um, well, thanks for walking me through those details again. The Hebrew idioms and <laughs> that is good. You made this claim that sort of stood out to me on Sunday. You said very definitely, mm. you know, this is what the story is about. Right. And I don't know, sometimes it's a, something about it, I was like, today it is, you know, or like, there, it was really, it was like, this is what the story's about, full stop. Mm. Like, I, I don't, it's not that I, yeah, I, I just had this mm-hmm. sort of sense of like, yeah, again, like a yes and no, like, mm. not that I disagreed with anything that you said, but it was so definite yeah. to stand and say, you know, this is what the story's about, like, when I think about people hearing it, if they haven't read the story in these ways, you know, did they read the story wrong? Mm-hmm. Was their interpretation of the thing not right and not good enough or um, mm-hmm. lowly on the... <laughs> yeah. so, and there is some yeah. of that, right? Right. Like yeah. we all read things and we yeah. miss things. Yeah. Um, so there, there is some element of um, if you missed this, yeah. then you missed the story. You, right. you didn't get it yes. right. Yeah. At the same level, there is, uh, I like how you said, this is what the story is about today. Yeah. Um, that that is very much sort of what you're doing every time you're preaching. Totally. Is you're saying, hey, this is what yeah. this thing is talking to us about now yeah. in this moment right now. Yeah. Because um, I remember people asking, like, will you ever reuse your sermons? And I remember mm. being like, oh, no. <laughs> like, because I can't, I, for one thing, don't even remember what I preached mm-hmm. three months later, let alone, like, would I want to say the same thing? So maybe you have again. reused them. And you yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Who knows? Um, but yeah, yeah, I was just curious about, I'm, I'm answering my yeah. own sort of level of like, why did that stand out to me mm-hmm. as I'm asking you? Like, oh yes, this was what the story was yeah. for the day. Um, but I'm, I'm curious about this idea that like, do you think it's ever possible that our own interpretations as we set these things aside one another and the mm-hmm. convenience with which we're able to do that? You know, we're not consulting big scrolls or, mm-hmm. you know, we literally have these text lined up yeah. and our Bibles are on our Bible software. Yeah. Like, do you ever think that we are sometimes interpreting, like, could have a more, like, ingenious interpretation than what was intended? Um, I mean, I think absolutely. Yeah. I think what we have to understand is any text. Um, so, I mean, this this goes to hermeneutical theory and textual theory. Um there's 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 an author-centered hermeneutic, which yeah. is what does the author have in mind when they write these things down? Right. And I think, you know, for Mark as an example, I think Mark very much has social commentary in mind when he's writing these mm-hmm. things down. I think the gospel is structured in such a way um, and stories are juxtaposed in a certain right. way to and make those points. And when you think points. about the presence of empire yeah. for Mark, it's just like how could it not mm-hmm. what he writes – how could it not be informed by that right. time? It's like writing anything beside a major world empire right. like we live in. Like yeah. we think about and talk about the empire 
the empires we're a part of, the empires we sit beside yeah. all the time. So that makes sense to me historically. Yeah, and even like for this example, you know, you start with Jairus, you move to this woman, you end with Jairus. I mean, these are conscious choices that the writer is making. That said, anytime you write anything, mm -hmm. including a sermon, as soon as you offer that to a community, mm -hmm. There's now also a reader-centered right. hermeneutic that becomes part of the meaning of that document right. or that performance. Right. So there's what you intended, and there's also what's received, mm -hmm. and there's also what's, what's gathered right. by the audience in it. And that is um, – and I think this is sometimes difficult for people. That's not a, that's not a lesser meaning. Right. That's a meaning as well. Right. Then – when we're talking about uh, biblical texts, mm -hmm. there's there's a canonical meaning, mm -hmm. which is so there's people who read it, and then there's also a community that gathered it together and put it in conversation with other texts. Right. So Mark meant something to the author. Mark means something to everyone who reads the text. Mm -hmm. Mark means something to the community that gathers it and sets it beside Matthew and Luke, mm -hmm. and says these together tell us something. And all of those are legitimate meanings in there, which I think is actually one of yeah. the really fascinating parts about right. reading scripture, right. which is why you can say things like, this is what the text means right. today in this moment as we read it together. Right. Because this is, um, when, you're, when you're sermonizing, mm -hmm. um, it's not a singular thing. It's us as a community interacting with a specific moment in history. Yeah. It's us interacting with a certain way of presenting that text and reading it. Right. Now, we talked about this last week, a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I don't know, somewhere. Um, you can have bad interpretations mm -hmm. that don't honor um, the authorial intent. Right. I think reader-centered hermeneutics that discard what is clearly going on in the mind of the author are not helpful. Right. Um, they're manipulative that yes. way. Yes, yeah. But... That doesn't mean that readers don't bring something into the conversation as we read it. And I think it's in that interplay back and forth. What is Mark doing? Yeah. How are we reading it? Yeah. How is the church reading it? Right. All of those together bring something really meaningful. Something really alive. Yeah, because, you know, as an, ex and as an example here, um, Mark, you know, is talking about, and we'll talk about honor maybe. Yeah. Um, Mark's talking about certain honor that this man has and this woman has. And how do we compare those two things? Um, I think for us, mm -hmm. there's all kinds of examples of that in our world that are very different than Mark's. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the things that I had in mind when I was reading were, you know, the Mi'kmaq in Nova Scotia yeah. and Nigerian women protesting against SARS right now. All these places mm -hmm. where there are um, groups of people mm -hmm. that are not given the social standing right. to play by the rules and to ask for what they need. Yeah. And they have to go out and they have to grab a hold of it and they right. have to demand it and they have to right. protest for it. And it's very easy for those of us in the dryer's position to say, oh, you should wait your turn or right. you should do this a different way. Or yeah. if you had, um, you know, better manners about right. it, you, you know, all these different things right. that we impose on them. That's clearly not what Mark has in yeah. mind, but it's very much what the text means today. But it's that delicate balance of trying to, what is Mark doing? Right. What are we doing? What's happening in our world? How do we bring that all in together? Right. So, to original point, yeah. when I say this is what it means, right. that is very much what it means for this community in this moment right. at this time. I right think it's now. a really helpful like asterisk mm -hmm. to put on. Absolutely, and sort of, um, check in the footnote about 
Um, yeah, let's talk about honor culture because I feel like uh, it's something that's often like below the surface mm. of our reading, but I'm not sure we always like bring it up and really look at it mm. from a few different sides. So I, I kind of wondered if we could have a little, like you mentioned Bruce Molina's yep. work, which is really helpful. I have at least one of his books. Mm -hmm. um, so if you, we could talk about like, what are five things that people should know? <laughs> I like turning five it things into about, like, yeah, you know, a little game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what yeah. comes to your mind when you, I mean, it's more fresh in your mind because yeah. you wrote the sermon than I, I did not. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, I, I think one of the things we have to understand is that we don't live in an honor shame culture. Right, right. right? Yeah, so you just added the other word, an honor yeah. shame culture. Right. Yeah, we live in, uh, what, do, what do we call it here? Um, I don't know what they call our culture, but merit guilt or something like that. Anyway, oh. we, we don't live in the same types of honor shame culture. Uh, we have social hierarchies, but they tend to be based more around, um, I'll say this, a myth of meritocracy. Yeah, yes. Right? It's, it's yeah. not really always meritocracy, but if yeah. you have money, if you've yeah. got this, you've got that, then you tend to be given more respect, mm -hmm. um, more place of privilege, mm -hmm. um, and more ability to not only communicate what you need, but but have that heard and, and yeah. responded to. Honor cultures are a little different, yeah. where it's, it's not even sort of um, predicated on the idea of a sort of meritocracy. Right. There are just hard and fixed lines. Yes, that's a really almost, helpful distinction. Exactly, almost like a caste system. Right. Um, although not, you know, in, in that Jewish culture, not as strict as we might understand a caste system today. Okay. But today, very much, we still have issues with patriarchy. Yes. But that's sort of like below the surface, right? Mm -hmm. Like nobody would say right. a man is more important than a woman. Right. You we just feel like you're going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then someone says, it's the patriarchy. Yeah. You're like, oh, yes. So, so we live with those things. <laughs> right. But, and, and, you know, I mean, maybe to your point, maybe what makes it crazier is that it's under the surface. Exactly. That is I mean, exactly in that first it. century world, yeah. it's just like, oh, like that's what it is. Right. That's you're a woman. really helpful. You don't have priority here. Yeah. A man does. Right. I mean, maybe in some ways that's even easier to deal with when mm -hmm. it's just at least out right. in the open and nobody's right. pretending there's equality right, right. sometimes. I mean, they're both shitty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you have that. You have, um, you have certain religious systems. Um, you know, there's the obvious one that we understand about ritually clean and unclean, mm -hmm. which blood was part of that. Mm -hmm. But also, sort of the caste within the religious system. Right. Jairus is an archisunagogas. Right. He's a leader in the thing. Right. So there's money. There's sexual status. Right. There's gender. There's religious status. Yeah. Um, you know, all of these things right. are systems. Uh, and they're very much sort of interlocking systems Ooh, that's good that language, tell yeah. you who you can interact with and how you interact with them. Right. So as a man who is a day laborer, mm -hmm. I understand how I can interact with Jairus, mm -hmm. who's a religious leader. Right. As a woman, you understand how you can interact with me, mm -hmm. even though I'm just a day laborer. Right. As a woman, to like, it's all of these You're different layers. That. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and maybe what's, again, less crazy making is the rules are pretty clear mm -hmm. and you just followed them. Right. And what happens in this story is right. this woman is the lowest right. of the low on that social hierarchy. So read it with this awareness exactly. of an honor shame. And Jairus is the highest extreme. of the high There's on like this. There's like alarm all over yes, it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and, and again, 
um, we read it with that sort of subtle, yeah. oh, woman, man. Right. They're reading it with, right. oh, she should not be doing this. Right. She is the dirt. Exactly. Everybody knows. <laughs> yeah. First of all, she doesn't get to come and talk to Jesus. Right. She certainly doesn't get to interrupt Jairus. She doesn't, she doesn't get, get to... what she wants. Exactly. Her, yeah. She waits her turn. And if right. Jesus is done, right. you know, then maybe he will come to her. Yeah. Um, so like alarm bells are going off all the time. And, and we, we see some of that. We, we experience that all the time. But here it's like these lines are so clear yeah. and, and they all get crossed. Right. And the piece to me, you know, that I really keyed in on the sermon and that really stuck out to me was that, is that daughter line. Yes. That again, when we're reading for social commentary, I don't think that is, Jesus actually doesn't call um, men or women, daughter or son very often. It's, it's not like a... It's not like a, a like, verbal tip. Hey, man. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, sister? Exactly. <laughs> like, like he doesn't do that a right, lot. Right, right. So the fact that we're... Right. It's we're, intentional. We're in love with Jairus. Yeah. He's like, we're I like, oh, look at this guy out. who's like so good and all he wants to do oh. is care for daughter. Like, like you almost... Yeah. At first, you're kind of like, okay, here reversal. comes... Yeah, yeah that, that you started the message with. Yeah. Like, we're in a reversal. Yeah. Um, so here's this guy who yeah. we're like, oh, he's going to be a bad guy. We're instantly he's sympathetic. All well, quickly sympathetic. Exactly. Not instantly, but... But then he wants his daughter and yeah. the first thing Jesus says to this woman's daughter. And, and it's like yeah. all of that empathy you have for Jairus, right. he transfers to this woman right and the, oh literature yeah like sacred <laughs> literature when do you so get to that? purposeful yeah, it's exactly. so beautiful right yeah, like yeah. you imagine yeah you imagine and, and it's i think it's beautiful for me reading it but you imagine that first century audience you imagine people in the audience there yeah. who are like oh jesus is gonna go to jairus home to heal his daughter and he turns to this woman and he calls her daughter yeah. like i don't know that's i think that's a really beautiful yeah. moment and it's the moment that i sort of um keyed in on a sermon right. that really kind of opened my eyes yeah, we're to we're so it used week. to this story, but our response should be like, whoa, yes. wait, <laughs> like, no way, yeah. <laughs> which you did with that, the Sixth Sense reference. Yeah, well, I mean, that's Was a... that like, oh, no way. So here's a question. Yeah. Okay. Um, where do you see, because, you know, we were talking about this too, is in a sermon, I'm hesitant to over... Um, What's the word I'm looking mm. for? I'm, I'm having to do too much of the application work. Right, right, right. So therefore, I like that about our this, voice here. You know, think about this situation. Like, yeah. I want people to be creative. I want to draw that out of them. Yeah. But in this context, like when we talk about that inversion of social hierarchy, mm-hmm. where do you see that happening in the world around us today? That piece where um, someone doesn't have their voice heard, mm-hmm. and we keep telling them, you know. Do it our way. Play by the rules. You know, if you keep doing this, eventually you're going to get heard. Right. And and it's just, it's and if we're honest, it's just never going to happen. Right, right, right. I mean, I do. Th- I think about domestic violence. Um, mm. I think about. I That's mean, we talked about that more when the pandemic started. Mm. You know, we haven't. I haven't heard much sort of in. Yeah, the... you brought it up in the How to Be Angry series. You talked about it. Oh, did I? Don't it was quite good. <laughs> if you missed it, go back to uh, How to Be Angry. I think it was the first or the second week uh, in those two sermons you, you right. brought it up. And it was, it was quite powerful, uh, particularly at that sort of entry into COVID. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's it. Yeah, I just, I think about, yeah, I think about sort of like the, the sort of voiceless, sort of trapped in, in situations, like how, and then, and then women um, all around the world who, uh, you know, we would say sort of violently like extricate themselves mm-hmm. from 
from situations and they didn't do it the right way. Yeah. You know, um, maybe they killed the partner who beat them for, you know what? Yeah, like, no. Those are real stories. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not saying, you know, it's just like, well, they are losing their life. What mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a judge or a jury. Mm -hmm. I just think those are sad situations layered on. But I mean, situations. I think, I think very much when you bring up domestic abuse, yeah. um, certainly not here at Commons, but you hear just heartbreaking stories of women who have gone to their church, to their pastor, yes. this is what's happening yeah. in my home. And they're like, yeah. well, you know, um, you just have to love your husband yeah. and you have to support him. And, you know, just this idea that th that story is not being heard. Yeah. People yeah. are not taking it right. seriously. Right. Right. And we're actually contributing to yeah. more suffering, more violence, yeah. more oppression by telling people to play by the rules and wait their turn. I right. mean, it's it's. I mean, it's heartbreaking. It's yeah. tragic to think of those examples that um, yeah. are still happening right. in churches. Right. I also think a little bit about um, the kinds of people that we really preference uh, for leadership. Right. And we, like, love a really educated – I mean, I'm quite educated. You're quite educated. Like, And we really love that person and we really elevate that person. But there's some really interesting data around, like, a diversity – of, um, of like a team and especially yeah. in politics that if you can get people who are like from more working class working with those who have these like PhDs and whatever, um, that you end up with a system that's much more like tailored and careful mm -hmm. for all people. But we love to sort of like elevate a certain mm -hmm. sort of leader, but then we end up with, again, this like you know, meritocracy, um, if if we did it, everyone else can do it, rather than attention to the fact that, like, there are real complicated systemic limitations to how we've set up our world. And, I, you know, I think it's a really interesting point, certainly, because we're becoming more aware mm -hmm. of some of those systemic limitations that certain people face. Yeah. Um, basically, anybody who's not me, right? Straight, white guy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and those things compound on each other. But... I am continually fascinated by, um, first of all, the research that's out there, but second of all, my own experience mm -hmm. as someone who leads a staff mm -hmm. and a team, the understanding that you can, you can approach building a team mm -hmm. with two different ways. You can think about how do we have the best individuals mm -hmm. that have the most education, the most experience, you know, check the most boxes on our team, mm -hmm. or you can think about how does a team actually function together? Uh -huh. um, and to realize that because of some of the structural imbalances in the world, uh -huh. um, if I wanted to hire a team yeah. of people who check the most boxes, probably the majority of those people would be white men. Totally. Right? Because they would have had all the opportunities to fill all the things on their CV totally. to fill the boxes. Exactly. But would our team uh -huh. be... Not just as well-rounded, would we be as effective? Oh, creative. Would creative. Yeah. Would we be able to speak to the broad audience yeah. that we do? Of course not. Like, I mean, it, it's absurd to even think right, right, as right. a team would be, we would be as effective that mm -hmm. way. So to sort of understand that, um, you know, not just in the literature, but even as a team, as we put these things together, mm -hmm. that the more uh, voices we add to the table who check less right. boxes right. as an individual, but check more boxes that are missing around right. the table, you end up with, with a stronger organization. Right. And I think that's the thing that sort of is 
coming to be understood right. in the HR world and, and all these things. Hmm. Um, that a team that functions together, works together, yeah. complements each other yeah. is is not just not just more fair, mm -hmm. it's more effective right. than a team of a bunch of rock stars who just want to do their own thing right, and right, pad right. their own CV. Right. Um, but I think that's one of the things that even a story like this yeah. actually starts to speak into totally. on, a, on a very practical level. Totally. How do you do hiring? How do you think right, about teams? Right, right. How do you think about the people that you work right. with? Right. Think about the person here and think about the person mm. there. Yeah. Now, and what is that person going to show yeah. you? Because right. they're going to have a different way to the goal. Right. And it's not going to be as, um, I don't know what the language is, but it's not going to be as socially palatable. Right. But in the end, you're right. going to get somewhere you never would have got right. otherwise. Yeah, the work is worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And then to uh, obviously in the story to see Jesus prioritize um, her experience and her need, mm -hmm. not the ways that she goes about asking for what she needs, yeah. I thought was really significant. And I, yeah. the part I read back onto that was that actually, if we're paying attention, now we realize that all of the things that Jairus did the coming up and bowing before Jesus, they didn't mean anything to right. Jesus. Yeah. They meant something to us as readers. Right. We're like, oh, look how nice this guy. Jesus yeah. didn't care at all. Right, right, right. He just heard, oh, your daughter's sick. Right. I'll go with you. Right, yeah. All the rest of it was yeah, show for the Yeah, however you approach audience. me is fine. Exactly. Just approach me. Yeah. yeah. Which is, oh, that's good stuff. That is good stuff. That'll <laughs> preach. <laughs> um, I did have another thought as you were talking, and I think I lost it. About diversity, team. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's not worth it. Right. That's good. I liked your point. It's good. <laughs> Gold star. Uh, so, I mean, we're wrapping up. Uh, in closing, uh, what do you want to? What do you want to touch on? The, mm -hmm. I mean, we've we've done a good exploration of the reversals, honor, shame. Yeah. The battery image. <laughs> I mean, I, th I think the biggest uh, thing for me is, do we have a theological imagination to ask those characters in the story, where do we see them around us all the time? Yeah. So, you know, right. do we look at the Mi'kmaq in Nova Scotia right. and we say, well, you've got to file your, you know, application for this and you got to do this. And, and do we recognize that that's not always going to be heard in right. the context of the systems that are around yeah. us? Yeah. Um, and do we have room for that? Yeah. Even if it makes us uncomfortable right. when people yeah. don't follow the rules. Right, right, right. Um, like you said, you know, d domestic violence situations. You know, I'm quite inspired. I mean, there's a number of particularly Nigerian women in the community here and, and following their social media and reading yeah. so much about SARS. Like, yeah. I've never even heard of the right. special armed robbery yeah. section of the Nigerian I know. police. A, a podcast came up in, uh, again, like one of my like news podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I was like, heard about it. <laughs> Thanks, Commons community. Exactly. But, you know, like reading about these things, right. and realize, oh, like sometimes the ways that we demand justice yeah. are not going to be, yeah. uh, you know, the ways that, that I've always been told, which is right. like you, you go and you vote and, and right. Right. And that's sort of the end of it. Right. That that's not always accessible to everyone. Right. And, I'm and again, I think I think it's too like um, paying attention to the subtleties of these sort of forces that don't create a just world for everyone. Yes. I think those have been moments for me when 
I, you know, I kind of think back to a moment in seminary and I wasn't like a, a loud <laughs> seminary and I, I turned into one later. <laughs> uh, but there was a moment where I, w- I got really frustrated with a reference in a class mm-hmm. and I kept hearing, you know, when a moment is just like, this is out of control, like it was uh, a couple stories and the professor kept referring to the man as like talented, gifted in ministry. And every reference to women was like, she was beautiful. Ooh. She was, it was just, and I was like, is no one else hearing this? And I just saw my hand like go up and it was such an important moment for me to be like, it was so subtle and nobody else noticed it and I couldn't handle it anymore. And I said, I understand what you're trying to do with this story, yeah. but you're perpetuating a problem and you continue to refer to women and their physical, like by their physical mm-hmm. attributes. And this poor professor was a very nice man. He just was like, <laughs> and to his credit, you know, yeah. came up to me and really thanked me but what was most important to me in that moment was like a woman in the washroom who was Mm -hmm. like I didn't see it at all like and how we need each other Mm -hmm. to be like yeah this sometimes this stuff is subtle but like when you start pointing it out to each other like we should care about this Mm -hmm. I know it's on a coast far away from us but we should care about this like there's a reason that their cries are getting louder and maybe they have what we think is really uh, quite violent but maybe the desperation needs to be listened to so and also I want to be told that I'm handsome sometimes (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) treatment. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. right. It's so important. And so I mean, that's a really significant think, moment. Right. Right. It was, it was, a, it was, um, it was near the end of my very long MDiv. Hmm. And it was like a, a kind of my own graduation in that yeah. moment was like, oh, this place did shape me. Even if that wasn't ever like a direct thing, like my own action. It was a, a moment to where my body was like, no, here I go. <laughs> I'm doing <laughs> it. <laughs> and I love it. And I had a, a friend from Texas who would always sit by me. And um, we were like, he reminded, or, or I reminded him of a cousin. And he was like, Bobby, that's why I sit beside you. Like, <laughs> you show me a perspective hmm. that I don't actually get from the guy teaching right. the class. And I was like, how great are you, Matt? <laughs> like, that he knew I want more from this class, then that guy's going to give me. So I'm going to sit by Bobby. I think she has something to say. But all that to say, like, we, we do this for each other. We oh, hope our sermons totally. do this for people that not only um, do, you know, by not spelling out the application for people, they can look around in their very real worlds and mm-hmm. see, like, who is the woman who is here to teach me something that that yeah. I shouldn't be paying attention yeah. to. And maybe maybe you are that woman. I mean, that's right. that's maybe an equal part of it, is, is you're in a place where people aren't listening to you, yeah. and you're trying to ask for something, yeah. and it's not being heard. Yeah. And sometimes it's okay to, to get it. Yeah, to exactly. just get after you know, it. Like the language I used was like to reach out and take what she needs from oh, Jesus. Oh, I love that language. And I think, right. I think you know, it's it's a very interesting thing around, you know, to be speaking to an audience, yeah. um, certainly in the room, but now online and realizing that, yeah, I probably, yeah. for most of us uh, commons, we're gyrus and it's yeah. like, okay, you know, our salvation is bound up in our choosing to wait and allow someone to go first. Mm-hmm. But not all of us. And not all in every moment, right? Yeah, yeah. Like for yourself, there are moments where you're the woman and no one's listening and yeah. you need to reach out and take what you yeah, need. Yeah. There are moments yeah. 
or you're the gyrus yeah. and you do have lots of opportunities and you yeah. need to hand them off to somebody else. And and like yeah. having- I mean, you're, uh, we, we're gonna go over time, but your <laughs> language around like, he's still in danger of losing mm. what he loves was right. still a really dignifying way. Mm-hmm. Cause it could be like, yeah, screw yeah. that guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, we, but then we like lose sight of our own yes. stories and our own vulnerability. And yeah. that's what that line so beautifully did yeah. was like. And actually w- in, in that one, what I wanted to say was um, what I was going for in that moment was realizing that, look, the honor shame culture that elevates yeah. him is actually part of what's hurting him. Totally. Totally. Because, because he's so honored. He's got so much place. Like we almost – you know, we almost are conditioned not to see his pain in that. Right, right, right. And, um, you know, this is, I mean, this is what we're talking about all the time now with toxic masculinity, right? So because I'm a man, because I've got all this stuff, I'm not allowed to be like, guys, this, this week sucks and I'm right. I'm really down right, right now and I'm having because a tough time. Because then you just get to, you turn into a shit. Exactly, <laughs> sorry, right? I said shit a few times. Because, <laughs> because you're, you know, when you're at the top, first yeah. of all, it feels weird. Right. To, to pour that stuff out. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, it's very lonely to keep yeah. up those pretenses and totally. stuff. And Jesus, by elevating this woman, by allowing her to reach out and honoring the way that she does that, in some sense, he allows Jairus to be let go of all of the weight of needing to yeah, like defend the fact that he needs some help. Right. It's okay. She needs help. You need help. Everyone needs help. That's why I'm yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and just because, you know, all the white men in the room. It's okay to yeah. be sad. It's okay right, to need help. It's right. okay for all of that. It's okay to ask to be afraid, for help. Afraid that you could lose the things that you really love. Exactly. All of that. Yeah. So, And I mean, that's what these stories, when we, again, going back to where we started. Yeah. A socio-rhetorical reading to say what's going on in the society there. Yeah. How, why are these stories being juxtaposed in a particular way? Right. How do I get that as a basis for an author-centered hermeneutic? Right. Now, how do I add myself into the story? Right. Because our, car- our paradigms are different, our categories are different, our hierarchies are different, but we still have them all, right? So how do we interrogate them today and how do we ask questions of them? So we're way I over am, time I am here. giving this after party five gold stars. <laughs> <laughs> but as we wrap up, what are you grateful for? Uh, actually, let me just say, Michael said yeah. uh, people with disabilities face the same thing. And I think it's absolutely true. And this is what we're becoming aware of. Um, able-bodied persons, you know, uh, you know all, all kinds yeah. of things, our yeah. sexual orientation, our gender, yeah. our wealth status, all totally. of these things layer into it. Yeah. And the more awareness that we have to see other people's stories and right. to see our story, I think is a really, right. it's a real gift to us that Jesus is offering and Mark is offering to us in this story. Yeah, so, okay. Yes. Uh, what are you grateful. grateful for? What am I grateful for? I know what I'm grateful I know, for. I was going to say, I'm putting my hand <laughs> I'm so grateful to this live is, I into... don't think it goes like this, does it? No, I think I it goes however you want it to Yeah, it's go. true. This, like, uh, this looks like a, um, a gold miner, something like that. Like a You're right. Yeah, this it's is like, like... <laughs> this is like cowboy. You do have two costumes in one there. Sure, cowboy, and this is like a San Francisco gold miner. <laughs> You need to block out some teeth. That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, I I feel really grateful, honestly, just for the play of this moment of uh, of of Halloween. I I like Halloween. It's on Saturday. I hope I get a few trick or treaters. Hope you do too. And um, I'm excited to. Um, I like the fact, I'm grateful for the fact that we can move from, I think, a fairly serious conversation (laughs) to the playfulness of wearing huge hats in our studio here at Commons. I'm going to take at least 
65% of the credit on that. Oh, I, I think probably more than that. I scrounged through the lost and found. Here at the church, so. uh, but I am actually uh, not joking. I am grateful for the fact that, um, I mean, this is, I think there's a real beauty in that Christian story, that it's able to... I thought you were going to say Halloween. Well, yeah, that too. But it's able to reach into these these really um, significant, challenging moments of who we are. But it's also, like, there's a there's a deep joy yeah. in recognizing that and realizing the way that God comes to you and celebrating that and having a little fun on right. the other side. So, so that's good. That's it. Um, I also loved early, an earlier comment when Ashley told us to take our hats off. And I think Greg was like, all I can see is their mouths moving and hats. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a good joke. I'm, there you go. That's all I'm you can see it. now. Jim. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks everybody. Everyone. Have a great night. We'll see you back here next happy Tuesday. Halloween. By the way, happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> happy Halloween. Yes. And uh, backstory starts oh, right. next week. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, that's huge. So Scott's teaching that. It's our intro to reading the Bible through the lens of Jesus. Yeah. Four week course. It's on Tuesday night, so you'll have to skip the after party, but you it'll, watch it'll it. be worth it. You can it. always watch the yeah, it's true. The after after party. After party is the, the link after. is always on uh, YouTube. <laughs> we show it music.